do people think you're pro modi do you make a lot of national political content as well now some people might perceive it to be national political content but to us it's business content i personally feel that the right of opinion here lies with christians and muslims in this country mm-hmm. if they're truly feeling threatened there is something wrong there is one thing to feel threatened and there is one thing to be threatened what's the socially responsible thing to do other than constantly be centrist what do you do as a creator i want to call on people on the show from all sides Hmm. Disagree with me, school me, try to come to the truth. I think the solution to this is debate. The government is the godfather of the market, and just like the movie Godfather, no matter how big you are, if the godfather doesn't like you, you will not survive. Also, one layer deep, we're capitalists, and we want to be everyone's friends. I am a capitalist who wants to be friends with only capitalists because they understand and respect what I am doing. Do you buy the BJP narrative about "Achhe Din Aane Wale Hai"? When they say "Achhe Din Aane Wale Hai," do you realize it is talking to the grassroots of Indian society and it is instilling hope? hope is very very powerful this is part 2 of our conversation with ganesh prasad from think school if you've not watched part 1 that's perfectly fine because they're completely unrelated honestly part 2 is much more centered around the topics that the youtube channel think school is known for if you've ever wanted to know more about ganesh's research oriented side if you've ever wanted to dive deeper into geopolitics with this person but from a slightly podcasting perspective this is the conversation for you i enjoy my geopolitical conversations but when you hear them from someone who's only in his mid 20s it hits different so this was a friendly and fast politics and geopolitics oriented conversation enjoy ganesh prasad of think school on trs this is a true youtube collaboration I just want to get straight into geopolitics. That's what Think School is known for. Think School's here <laughs> with part two of the special conversation. This one's going to be fast, direct, and explosive because we're also going to get into national politics. Ganesh, welcome back, brother. Thank you so much for having me here, bro. Okay, are you ready? Yes. What What would you like to say about geopolitics? Geopolitics is very complex, man. It depends on what you want to know. Because I've been studying geopolitics for about. Two years now, and it has taught me so much about business and life. Uh, life not really because I'm not a very deep person. I'm okay. a very shallow person, bro. I don't think so much. I don't meditate. I don't have like deep philosophies of life. But I've got very, I've got very firm philosophies about business. And uh, before I studied about geopolitics, I always thought, yeah, there is geopolitics and there is business, just like everybody thinks. and then i started to realize that geopolitics is such a powerful market force that as an entrepreneur if you don't understand geopolitics you're missing out on a lot but at the same time if you understand geopolitics it will give you a very big competitive edge for example for example let's take the example of russia ukraine war when the russia ukraine war happened do you know the edible oil market it got shattered do you know what happened so If you look at the edible oil market, you will see that there are four types of oils: canola, soybean, palm oil, sunflower oil. Sunflower oil, eighty percent of it comes from Russia and Ukraine. Soybean comes from Argentina and Brazil. Canola oil comes from Canada, and palm oil comes from Indonesia and Malaysia. 
Now, what happened during that time was that in Argentina they had a bad harvest season. Same was the case with Canada. So, soybean oil and canola oil they were available in very less quantities. Then, when it comes to sunflower oil, because most of it came from Russia and Ukraine, the trade lines got cut off. So, the entire load of edible oils fell upon Indonesia and Malaysia because they were the only ones who had palm oil. Now, when the entire demand got channelized towards palm oil, the cost of palm oil shot up. Now, most people will ask, so, so what if palm oil's cost shoots up? When it shot up, the FMCG companies they suffered a lot. You know why? Because the soap that we use, twenty mm. percent of the cost of manufacturing that soap goes into palm oil. So when the cost of palm oil shoots up by hundred percent, either the profit margins of these FMCG companies shrinks, or they'll have to increase the cost. Similarly, the cost of fertilizer it increased drastically because again most of it comes from Russia and Ukraine. As a result, the cost of producing food shot up, and lots of other things happened. So, and during this time, by the way, <laughs> one billionaire became a beneficiary of this palm oil demand, and that was Adani. You know how? When Indonesia, after a certain point, they banned the export of palm oil, but they did not ban the export of crude palm oil. They banned the export of refined palm oil. Why? Because it was just another barrier. So if you want to ship crude palm oil, you can ship it immediately, but still somebody will have to process it. But if you ship refined palm oil, because all the processing is done over here itself, you could immediately ship it and it is ready to use. So it's almost like just putting out one more barrier. So when they started shipping out crude palm oil, anybody who processed crude palm oil became a beneficiary. In India, that was the Adanis. So, do you realize geopolitics? A simple, not so simple, but event. if a major event like Russia-Ukraine war happens, it affects everybody. And when the Russia-Ukraine war happened, because the oil price shot up, inflation happened all across the world. In India, because inflation shot up, the RBI had to increase the repo rate, as in. the rate at which they lent to the banks and because of that the interest rates to people like you and me that increased so our home loan emi increased mm. because of the russia ukraine war because our home loan emi increased our purchase power decreased as a result less people went to movie theaters less people bought fancy clothes because of which their business got affected but if you today go out there and ask an entrepreneur who's dealing with clothes as to how does rbi's repo rate affect his business they'll have no clue and if you apply that to today's context today because we are seeing the diplomatic battle between india and canada if there is a manufacturer in india for whom canola oil is an important raw material when this diplomatic battle comes in the news this person will be able to understand that if things go bad india might impose import duty on canola oil which means the price of canola oil in india might shoot up as a result he needs to stock up his inventory this is the power of geopolitics it helps you understand a very powerful market force which could give you a competitive edge over your competitors mm you get an x ray on the world of business because yes, of geopolitics that so, your competitors are ignoring right now would you argue 
that now because geopolitics is a trend on youtube india at least like i, I don't know how it's become a trend but people have gotten really into it yeah. you agree because of the war i think i think generally even more like mm. i because i remember doing a lot of episodes with abhijit chavda way before the war two years before yeah. the war and i was like why are people liking this content suddenly mm. out of the blue okay i'll do geopolitics that's how my mind as a podcaster works like i just want to survive okay uh my point is like i think indians are generally very into geopolitics now hmm. uh what will that result in for a whole nation and first of all is it fair to say that or at least a significant segment is into geopolitics because a significant number of people are interested in geopolitics what i believe is that the political system in india will actually get stressed you know why because now that we're seeing the administration of other countries people are getting new benchmarks for example earlier if you asked somebody about how did singapore grow so fast nobody will have an answer but today if you go and ask people as to why is singapore where it is at least in the top tier of india people will say it is because of lee kuan yew who is known as the father of singapore in 30 years he turned singapore into one of the most legendary countries out there so people from india if they never come to know about singapore their benchmark of great governance will be congress mm. right but if they know about lee kuan yew their benchmark of great governance will be singapore similarly earlier and you must have seen this on twitter that every time something between india and pakistan happens people are like let's go to war but now after they have actually seen a war people will know what is the cost of war so that will result into a more matured audience who will know that right governance is not about going to war it's about avoiding war raguraman sir says this very often that war is a funny game the only way to win it is to not play it at all <laughs> right so when this benchmark of great governance and a matured audience comes up i think our political system will have to push its limits to become better and better simple example 10 years back nobody was interested in china but today at least with our contents we can see that people are deeply interested to understand what's happening in china and when people started to understand why is china so developed and we are not so developed the answer is liberalization they liberalized their economy in 1978 it took us another 13 years we opened up our economy in 1991 right so now people understand the power of liberalization why is it important to have foreign direct investment in india and i remember when i was a child i think i was in 10th or 11th standard there was a huge debate about foreign direct investment mm. as to why fdi is bad for india but now that people have seen china they know fdi is great for india you got to have more international players here what was the reason it was even a debate back then the simple reason was people thought if walmart comes to india all the small shops they will suffer losses so they perceived a foreign entity as a rival who will kill the business but in reality what happened is that when more and more foreign companies came to india business actually expanded business actually grew in india because of foreign entities new benchmarks were set because of which now even indian companies have to stand up to the benchmark of the american companies to be able to do business and to be able to survive so the mindset during that time was more socialistic let's just keep ourselves restricted to whatever we have and let's not bring in foreign entities because 
anything that is foreign is obviously scary mm. right that was the case but now things have changed people like how much fdi have you got why aren't we having more companies come in why isn't apple manufacturing in india and the moment apple started manufacturing in india people were so happy mm. the moment we heard this news that reliance is getting in sheen people became excited for two reasons number one because of sheen and number two because we're getting a huge brand to india which means more opportunities mm so that's the mindset shift new benchmarks and hence more expectations hence more pressure on the leaders of our country okay uh do you make a lot of national political content as well now and do you think you'll ever get into it national political content um it's quite arguable because some people might perceive it to be national political content but to us it's business content but from a different angle for example we talk about government policies what we realized is that when it comes to government policy just like geopolitics is an important market force that most people ignore the government is the godfather of the market and just like the movie godfather no matter how big you are if the godfather doesn't like you you will not survive but no matter how small you are if you understand what the godfather is thinking you will be able to progress hmm. so most people did not know that government policies can be understood very well by something called government consultation paper where the government actually puts out a document to ask opinions from the stakeholders and the people as to what do you think about this policy this is the problem that we are solving with diagrams and examples as to how will the world how will india look like a better place once this policy is executed so we try to educate people about these government policies entrepreneurs about government policies so that they can understand the godfather better so that is the type of content we produce because of which some people may perceive it from a different way but to us it's just a different subject in business do people think you're pro modi no <laughs> i mean i wish people thought i was pro something but the problem with creating neutral content is that you get hate from both sides ah and you know the one message that i always want to put out to people is that by throwing hate at somebody for putting out the truth is that you motivate that person to switch to one side for example if i make something that is pro government all these pro government audience they will love it so they will shower love on me mm. they will forward it there'll be lots of whatsapp forwards and you know people will appreciate it so in that policy if the government is doing a good job they did a good job hands down but in the next video if i start criticizing the government this audience will hate me and in the previous video the anti government audience they threw hate at me so to them i am a bad person anyways mm. but now when i make a video on something that is criticizing the government even the pro government audience now hates me so if i make neutral stuff i will get hate from all angles which unfortunately or fortunately we stick to because think school is all about one thing truth which is backed by data so that is the reason why some people might perceive us to be pro modi some people might perceive us to be anti modi and so on and so forth in fact you know in a single youtube video the my benchmark of success for something political is when you get hate from multiple parties mm. so some people will say bjp bakht and below the same comment you will see congress bhakt also mm. so when that happens it means you are truly neutral and the message that i want to put out to the audience is that the moment you tell people that this guy is pro 
and you start throwing hate what you do is that you motivate that person to stick to just one side because now the content creator is afraid that if i annoy the people who showered love on me then i will end up getting a lot of hate and i might get cancelled so sticking to truth is very difficult but we end up doing that anyways because we are not making political content we are making business content and politics is just one subject that we address while teaching business also one layer deep we are capitalists and we want to be everyone's friends i at least for me that's true man and i'm not talking about both congress and bjp i'm talking about all my potential customers i am a capitalist who wants to be friends with only capitalists <laughs> with all the capitalists because um, told me that you take up a lot of sponsors you should not do so many sponsorships i said sir that's great because if business audience does not understand that what i'm doing is running a business that audience is not my audience mm. so i don't want the socialist audience at all i mm. want only capitalists who understand that if i have to make 20 minutes of great content that will require me to pay salaries and that comes at a cost mm. i just can't be myself and produce 250 high quality videos with so much insights if the if at all there is an audience who understands the cost that i'm paying who respect the business that i'm building i would want them and if people do not respect that i wouldn't consider them to be my audience so taking up sponsors gives me dual benefit a money b it eliminates the people who are not the ideal audience of think school mm. so i'm a i'm a capitalist who wants to be friends with capitalists because they understand and respect what i am doing possibly the reason i want to talk to you about politics is i think that the process of content creation and the amount of research that especially someone like yourself does it changes your mind a little bit and in the same way that geopolitics gives you an x-ray on business mm. i do believe that content gives you an x-ray on society in many ways yes and that's what polit- politics is effectively about yeah genuinely my heart tells me you're a centrist mm. my heart tells me that i'm a centrist as well mm. okay because often in the long term process of content creation your heart might tell you something and the whole world might tell you something correct else. uh i want to talk about my whole process of creating political content mm. okay now uh i remember abhijit chawla being the first person we had on the show mm. Uh, I do believe Abhijit Chawla is definitely Sorry. slightly right-leaning. Okay. Now his episodes took off a lot. Okay. Uh, therefore, I got people who are adjacent to him, both in terms of mindset and views, mm. and it gave me a very right-wing image. Hmm. Uh, I'm genuinely a centrist. I don't have a very very strong political opinion because hmm. I truly believe that we hmm. are an outcome of the algorithms in modern day society. The whole social dilemma narrative. Correct. Uh, I also feel as media professionals, you need to be centrist. I say this in so many episodes. Mm. It's because when you're centrist, you don't have a filter on your eyes, and and content requires you to have a lot of clarity on the world. Correct. Especially long term content. Especially this kind of content where it's so raw and so much can go wrong. Yeah. Uh. So I've understood that the if I want to survive in the long term, I have to be ethical. And a big part of it being ethical is centrism. Uh, now, parallelly, I get to talk to the politicians from mm. both sides. I've had Congress MPs on the show. I've had AAP MPs on the show. I made the mistake of having four BJP MPs back to back on the show to begin mm. this whole political phase. Mm. Got heavily categorized as uh, pro BJP, BJP bhakt, uh, bought by BJP, <laughs> this that. 
I've never faced that kind of national level cancellation where door ke rishte like all my uncles and all are sending me messages saying what have you done son like what's happening they okay. never even seen my content okay. some other pro uh, bjp relative is messaging me saying so proud of you beta <laughs> this is so good <laughs> and i'm like what the is happening in my life dude i'm just a podcaster hmm. then i realized my mistake of having four bjp releases back to back obviously it'll categorize you that was me being slightly naive but also motivated about just beginning political podcast hmm. Hmm. uh i've learned a lot about both the bjp and the congress and even the aap hmm. uh i have figured that there is capability in all parties yeah it's not like one party is better than the rest True. but the way the political world is built out for the sake of elections and for the sake of media based numbers all politicians from all parties are hardwired and trained and coached to hate the other party hmm. parties to the degree where uh, they truly hate those political parties from their heart really oh bro i've met a few politicians and uh, they are very much casual about the kind of hate that is being put out because what they say is that it's not like they never call the mp from a different party and seek advices they seek advices they debate they do everything but when they come out in media they are supposed to be opposite to each other so that the narrative is set my reading is that there's not hate towards specific mps mm. they'll be friends mm. they'll be chilling together also and mm. i know that this is true yeah but they'll hate the political party acha they'll hate the ideologies mm. to the degree where they will even lie <laughs> about the other parties hmm I feel that Congress and AAP do this about BJP, and BJP mm. does this about the other two. Mm. Like where mm. they will portray their own media narratives to fuel that narrative, because what's happening through that uh, missile of that narrative is that the silos that they've captured, mm. which are the extreme right and extreme left, effectively, for lack mm. of better words, will get even more <laughs> into their uh, mindset and will likely. guarantee votes for them at the time of elections correct it is basically pleasing their minimum viable audience yeah yeah their yeah. silos correct and this happens on both sides yeah uh okay this is one thing i have definitely picked up from doing this political podcast that mm. this capability everywhere mm. uh dude anyone in power has access to so much information okay that that information will lead you to likely taking the right calls in terms of hires mm. for example the current government portrays the uh, upa as a very failed uh, government which is not true which even the upa true. Uh, brought progress to the country and similarly the congress and ap portrays the current government as a piece of shit which is also definitely not true dude even the current true. government has done a lot like i've met people who work with the government like sanjeev sanyal kv yeah. subramanian all these guys uh they're very capable men and women man correct So anyone in power, especially in India, wants the best for the country, but it's for the sake of elections that they portray the other one as a piece of shit. True, and I don't see that changing hmm. uh, unless, in some way, if we actually have public debates between two parties and have cordial discussions, which is not going to happen until I think our generation is at that age where we are in power in politics. Yeah, maybe there will happen because of a higher sense of collaboration that our generation has, thanks to a liberalized economy. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. If you disagree, true. That is true. And you know, bro, it's not like every party has the capability to do great things. Capability exists everywhere, but some parties have a flawed philosophy of executing things. For example, the freebie policy. Have you heard about freebies? Yeah. So there is merit freebie and there is 
नॉन मेरिट फ्री बी मेरिट फ्री बी इज स्पॉन्सरिंग समबडीज एजुकेशन सो दैट दैट पर्सन कैन बी अपलिफ्टेड इवेंचुअली दैट पर्सन विल गो ऑन टू मेक मनी लेट्स ए द गवर्नमेंट इन्वेस्ट नाइन्टी थाउजेंड रुपीज पर ईयर इन टू समबडीज इंजीनियरिंग एजुकेशन दैट किड वेन ही ग्रेजुएट्स ही विल गेट अ फोर पॉइंट फाइव लैक जॉब इवेंचुअली ही विल लिफ्ट हिज फैमिली आउट ऑफ पॉवर्टी आफ्टर दैट द गवर्नमेंट डजेंट हैव टू स्पेंड ऑन वेलफेयर स्कीम्स ऑन द फैमिली but the other category of politicians this is a merit freebie so there are politicians who give out merit freebies for the development of the society which has a tangible economic output but there are some politicians who will give out random freebies like probably a mixer or let's say laptops and they will portray as if they're giving laptops for the development of the students and those laptops don't work well at all when they do that they do that because with government money with taxpayers money they can please an audience and get votes so if you are wasting public money that is bad if you are investing public's money into future economic development that is good like i said they are both philosophies so when somebody gives out a freebie they can justify that and tell you how it will lead to a economic output and sometimes it actually does for example in tamil nadu they gave out tvs and uh, if i ask you on the outset how will tv help generate economic output you'll be like dude this is a waste of money but you know what happened when tvs were given in tamil nadu the women who watched tv serials they began to value themselves more they began to understand feminism more and there was actually a study and i have paid a video on it which says that because of tvs and these tv shows these women they began to prefer having a female child do you see how amazing that is and because even the men of the house started consuming that content they started respecting their wives more so when a party spends money and they have a philosophy it must have a tangible economic output if they do that they can be categorized as a party that is doing a good job but if they use taxpayers money to bring out bullshit stories and please the public so that they can get votes i wouldn't define that as a capable party if i tell you that this party is giving out tvs unless you have the data about what has been the impact of tvs you cannot categorize that as a merit freebie or a or a non merit freebie i'll tell you the lafravat data in these political conversations mm. when you take the same a uh, problem statement to both the political parties so say the same problem statement you mm. accuse the ap of having given out freebies for the sake of votes mm. mm. the ap will use data and back their argument mm. in a very detailed way mm. and if you do the same thing with bjp they'll use their data and back their argument in the same way which is the trouble i face as a podcaster correct because people expect me to ask tough questions now if i'm asking an ap mp mm. he's going to or she or she's going to play their playbooks thing mm. which they are trained for mm. and the same thing is going to happen from the bjp side correct and as a podcaster what how do you cross question data there i'm not a journalist mm. firstly i i want other kind of content from them also mm. which is what podcasts are podcasts are not about bringing forth data podcasts are about getting to the heart of the person according to me mm. and i think i have the right to say that because i've been running this podcast for like 4 5 years mm. 
uh that's the nature of this content mm. so my solution here and i brought this up in a podcast i did with atishi mm. is that dude i hope smriti irani agrees to do a public debate with you mm. and then y'all can sort it out in front of the whole world yeah. because when two elephants are wrestling Mm. you really kind of get to read between the lines yeah i think another solution to this is also getting data from a neutral organization like rbi so we made a video one and a half years back as to why certain freebies are bad for the economy and how states are like becoming mini sri lankas in india during that time sri lankan problem was very popular so rbi's document and i've actually attached that in the link in the description of that particular video it has all the details bro it has rbi's benchmarks it has what the state is doing and why rbi considers that to be a good thing or a bad thing so when you take data from a neutral organization like rbi something as some some organization which is as credible as rbi you will get closer to the truth if not to the absolute truth my question here is what defines neutrality because effectively even mm-hmm. the rbi is run by human beings each of whom have their own political opinion true like i said you cannot get to the absolute truth you can only get closer to the truth which is why the rbi document according to me is the best and perhaps the most credible source to seek that information again if that is skewed or not i don't know but the possibility of that being skewed is comparatively less if you compare that to the data that you get from political parties okay fair um i still don't see an out and out solution here mm-hmm. like like whatever we spoke about as a problem statement that mm-hmm. each party is going to defend themselves mm-hmm. is not uh, solvable there there is no solution to this you know why because mobs don't understand nuances mm-hmm. even if they put out the data even if that data makes sense how many people will understand that it will probably the top 100 million people in the country will understand that but what about the helper that we have at home will they be able to understand these nuances no you know daniel kahneman talks about in his book called thinking fast and slow he talks about system 1 and system 2 so system 1 is the is the monkey brain and system 2 is the scientist the scientist can understand data but the monkey can only understand emotions so when you bring out religion you appeal to the system 1 mm. when you put out data you appeal to system 2 and in this busy life that we are in when it comes to something as important as finance tax and stuff like that we will we will apply our system 2 but when it comes to other things like politics this and that we just read headlines here and there and we draw our conclusions so we operate from the monkey mind mm. and not from the scientist mind the reason why we are talking about data is because this is our profession it's our job to read through data points and ask better questions right but if you ask our parents they don't have the time to read so much data fair to say that eventually even we'll become our parents if we are in this profession and we do justice to it we should not become them but um, if we don't then we'll probably become our parents somewhere down the line everybody is operating from system 1 bro you know there is system 1 system 2 yeah. we operate with system 1 and system 2 all the time the beauty is you can't predict when you're working with system 1 when you're working with system 2 the reason why they put out such extreme opinions is so that they can in, they can actually instigate an emotion so that they can appeal to the system 1 of most people because the votes of ganesh and ranveer matter just as much as jyoti and jyotsna living in a corner of arunachal pradesh yeah 
and there you get quantity we are nothing like exactly. in the large term scheme of things yeah are we nothing though because i'll tell you what hmm. maybe this is a bias hmm. totally could be after this whole conversation uh, about politics and what the general audiences think hmm. i do believe content creators have a stronger role than the public gives us credit for hmm. as long as the content creators truly centrist yes we are very very powerful we have a lot of responsibility and we have to make sure that we do justice to the power that we've acquired and if we don't do that then we will become a different version of the politicians that we already have yeah now i want to bring back what you said exactly about how if a content creator kind of puts a left of center opinion then gets hate from the right side and the right side's hate propels the content creator's emotional heart to become more left wing and then eventually he gets he or she gets stuck in a silo of being anti modi or left wing it's called confirmation bias and the same thing would happen to someone who began as center right and wants to say the right thing but then gets pushed into being extreme right and pro Correct. extreme pro modi we are not able to see the modi government's flaws and on this side you're not able to see the modi government's uh, positives correct and the same with like upa etc true what do you do as a creator what's the socially responsible thing to do other than constantly be centrist my 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 solution to this is mm. i want to call on people on the show from all sides mm. disagree with me school me try to come to the truth mm. i think the solution to this is debate so we are about to start a business podcast and when we get entrepreneurs to our podcast we will eventually also get politicians to the podcast like i said in think school politics is a very important subject of business when we get politicians to the podcast the ambition i don't know if i'll ever be able to do that is to ask them questions which are backed by data and to tell them that these are the questions that we'll be asking you and you be prepared to answer these questions with data and then let the public decide whether they make sense or not you know karan thapar used to run the show called the devil's advocate mm. where he used to ask very tough questions so the best way to bring out the nuances if not for 1.4 billion people at least for the 100 million people at the top would be to debate and to put out data as much as possible again you will not get to the absolute truth because the world is so complex you will just get a little closer to the truth than you are today firstly as a consumer of things school i'm very excited about the business <laughs> podcast because there's some kind of layer of wisdom that podcasts bring out of guests true and i use the word wisdom cautiously it's not knowledge and data yeah you you get to see both the monkey brain and the uh, scientist brain Correct. in podcasts uh secondly i mean this is me being the devil's advocate here i would argue that especially bjp politicians and if there's any watching this i'm not accusing you of this i'm i want to live <laughs> like <laughs> uh, but uh, the bjp politicians often don't agree to come out to studios mm. and often dodge difficult questions if they're asked by a kid mm. and if they are uh, i don't see too many journalists asking them difficult questions mm. nowadays because mm. maybe the bjp politicians aren't doing those difficult conversations mm. I would argue that as a citizen of the country it would be better if they do. I would request. <laughs> Please, if you can. If you can't it's okay. <laughs> But this is what I mean and I brought this up with we had Nitin Gadkari on the show. Okay. And I told him sir you know we're scared of you. Hmm. Like people are scared of the BJP. Hmm. What do you have to say to that? Hmm. 
and he opened up even more because of it i don't think he opened up to the degree that i would love as a content creator mm. but he did open up to a very large degree okay and he didn't try just dominating me mm. on the show which i had felt with other politicians from all parties mm. there is that sense of hey i'm a politician i will dominate you true because maybe they have a right to they're the most powerful people in society mm. i don't think they have the right to because they're after all answerable it is their duty to be answerable and if they refrain from doing that i don't think they're utilizing the power the right way yeah maybe so while playing devil's advocate to you mm-hmm. uh and i hope that when you start bringing politicians on the show this trend of them calling you to lutians in delhi mm-hmm. changes and they come to the studios yeah to sense the energy to sense that we're not coming from a bad place of accusations we're coming from a place of education yeah uh because i think they're so used to journalists accusing them because journalists also stuck in those silos after years of doing what they are doing they don't do respectful questioning bro yeah that's the problem you know when it comes to smita prakash ma'am if you look at her podcast she asks questions which are respectful and here's where the fine line between disagreement and hate comes in you know if i don't agree with your content doesn't mean i have to hate you with journalists that is a problem i don't know how they're supposed to be trained for that when they disagree with somebody they will try to pin them down you know you ask questions to understand or you ask questions to pinpoint they ask questions to pinpoint as a result the politician has to give them a fitting reply but if they ask questions to understand which is what smita prakash ma'am does to a large extent it brings out the best version of that particular politician because now that person is not speaking like a politician he's speaking like a human being trying to make you understand yeah yeah my my hope is that they start coming to our studios yeah to which will lead to better conversations better mm. education it will also lead to you know what again i'm just using the bjp as an example you mm. the bjp currently is heavily rejected by a significant part of urban india mm. as compared to the rest of our population which lives outside of urban mm. india it's a very tiny sliver in the large scheme of things mm. now that sliver are the people that i have grown up with mm. who just accuse the bjp of everything they've just rejected the bjp out and out they think that mm. the bjp can't do any good mm. uh and they also categorize me in that same category now because i had those four back to back podcasts i don't even think they'll see my milindeura podcast or my av podcast mm-hmm. they just think that now oh this guy's kind of a social bjp he's gone correct yaar you are as bad as the people you claim to hate correct which are those anbhaks and all you're also an anbhak of another kind correct um the horseshoe magnet theory that the ends of magnet actually closer to each other than the center yeah uh i hope and pray that when those politicians come to my studio or your studio mm. we can have slightly more centristy opinions True. i don't think it's the scientifically correct thing to do to be on an extreme you, mm. you have to at least listen correct you can't just jump to the conclusion that the modi government is extremely good or extremely bad yeah i see this a lot with our parents generation i don't blame them because they are the generation that was fed so much news over decades yeah. you don't even know the narratives <laughs> they have in their head correct but it's a request to everyone from our generation yeah do you see that around you like our friend circles people our age bro my friend circle is extremely wise they study data and that is also because they are all entrepreneurs and they have to understand politics to be able to make better business decisions so all my friends they are very smart and because they study data they also understand the nuances so they are pretty chill 
What I'm worried about are the college students who have no idea where data is, who have no idea how to study data. So if they start having extreme opinions, they'll be blindsided to both the good things and the bad things. So if somebody hates the Modi government by default, they will never appreciate the infrastructural development, the Digital India Initiative, the UPI type thing that they have come up with and they've executed well. At the same time, if they blindly follow Modiji, if the government does something that is not good, they won't be able to see it. As a result, they will be in chaos and they wouldn't even know. So when you are pro something, it does have incentives like, you know, you have more aspirations, you have more hope, you have more faith in the government, which is very important. At the same time, you're also ignoring a lot of things, which will again result into a disaster. So in this movie called Air, there is this statement which says that when you are a nobody, people would want you to succeed and they will celebrate you and one day you will become a star. But the problem with becoming a star is that now people will hold you accountable so that you keep on scoring 40 points a game. And the moment you stop doing that, people will start thrashing you and they will bring you down. So it is always a curve. For some time, you are the underdog. Suddenly, you go from underrated to overrated and then people will bring you down. That happened with Congress. That will happen with every other party which will go on to become significant. But the ultimate question is, what does the bottom of the pyramid think? Because that's where the actual winning criteria is. If you could appeal to the bottom of the pyramid, if somebody who's making 15,000 rupees is able to survive in this world better because you controlled inflation, they will eventually vote for you. Or you speak to the monkey mind hmm. and make it about religion. Yes. I do not want to say this. I'll say it. <laughs> that's not Ganesh. That's so what I need. If you improve the... that's So there are two parts to it. One is you improve the economics of the bottom of the pyramid. And second is you improve the social security of the bottom of the pyramid. So if they are made to feel safer in the India that they live in, as compared to the India that they lived in, they will eventually vote for you. So now you could do that in two ways. Either you could be extremely radical and you could tell them that, you know, if you want to survive, that means... You'll have to go and attack somebody or you could go the other way around. That is, you could ask people to accept other people in the society better so that you could build a society that is more optimized for harmony than for conflict. That is exactly what Lee Kuan Yew did in Singapore, by the way. What he did was he told everyone that we will not have separate neighborhoods. We will have all types of people, all four categories of people in the same neighborhood, in the same goddamn building so that you guys learn to humanize each other and you treat each other as brothers and sisters and not as rivals. Because our war is not against each other, it is against the world. If we don't stand up for each other, the world is going to discard us. So if that mindset is inculcated at the bottom of the pyramid, it will take decades of time. I think the world will be a better place. But then all of this is just idealistic bullshit. The reality is far different from that. Mm. So social security and economic security is the ultimate combination to get the votes from the bottom of the pyramid. You know, I wonder how much this Singapore case study because of the differences in the two sizes of the countries applies to India. Mm. Because I have noticed that whether it's 
actual politicians or people going about political banter uh lots of folks bring up the size of the nation situation mm. my personal opinion is that maybe only actual people in governance and administration have actual intel on how difficult or how easy it is to run such a big country True. not easy but how difficult it is to run such a big country correct maybe that's why i don't know how much we can truly learn from singapore mm. especially when it comes to this whole communal tension angle that we are talking about mm. um you know the one out and out negative about the bjp for me uh, over the last 9 years and i'm not anti bjp mm. by any means uh but everyone who speaks against the bjp brings this up i've asked all the bjp politicians who've come on the show about this mm. they defend it obviously they say that there's nothing like that mm. but i'm a citizen of the country we're mm. all citizens of the country mm. the communal tension in this country has increased during the last 9 years way more than i'd like okay when i brought this up with uh, nitin gadkari he said that it's a marketing campaign from the opposition's side mm. that they project the bjp as a bit of a fascist regime and they say that hey you know these guys are going to be responsible for eradicating people from other religions non indic religions from this country mm. okay and when you bring it up with the bjp folks they say no no there's nothing like that uh, in fact we've done a lot for muslims in fact we've done a lot for minorities uh, and then they back it with data as we spoke about mm. uh, but the truth is i think you're also hindu yeah i'm also hindu we're the white boys of this country true so the actual opinion makers when it comes to this communal tension situation mm. are christians muslims other minorities parsis who actually pro bjp which is what i also find weird that there is a minority that's very much pro bjp true uh so could it be that i hear anti bjp narratives a lot from muslims and christians mm. there are two possibilities here either things are actually bad for them mm. and you and me as the white boys of india are not understanding that and by white boys i mean hindu privileged youth mm. or as we spoke about social media silos and information silos are the minorities of our country being fed only one narrative which mm. is an extremely anti modi narrative mm. now i've tried talking to my christian friends and muslim friends about this mm. they are strongly of the opinion that it's case a which is that as the privileged parts of this country as the majority religion we are not able to exactly see their problem and we're not able to understand the daily life mm. and the actual problems are not happening in the cities they're happening in the interiors of the country yeah which is true you do sense some kind of anti muslim narratives uh when you talk to say a hindu cab driver hmm i make it a point to ask them about the villages just hmm. to understand hmm. what's happening there hmm. uh i've spoken to some muslim cab drivers in mumbai and even they say that yeah life has become difficult there hmm. for example uh they question more in hmm. public hmm. back home uh, they scrutinize more hmm. jibes are thrown at them more hmm. okay now the argument that a lot of our hindu brethren put forth is that hey look at pakistan at least mm. we are not hindus in pakistan mm. where everyone is killing everyone mm. that don't go about the what about re let's address this mm. i personally feel that the right of opinion here lies with christians and muslims in this country mm. Mm. if they are truly feeling persecuted attacked 
threatened this is something wrong what is wrong is the formation of something called echo chambers have you heard about echo chambers yeah the same social media algorithm vertical very side. simple there is one thing to feel threatened and there is one thing to be threatened there's a very thin border between both of them the reason why a lot of people feel threatened is because some of them are actually threatened they amplify it on social media and the ones who are not threatened they feel threatened the concept of echo chamber basically says that if i have a certain opinion and i put it out on social media eventually the algorithm will begin to feed me according to my confirmation bias for example let's say i'm a pro modi person what kind of video will i click on youtube will i click on a video that criticizes modi ji no i will watch a video that talks about the development of india and how modi ji is transforming india the moment i click on that video what will happen the algorithm will understand that this guy will watch content that praises modi ji as a result it will feed me more content as a result i will keep on watching more pro modi content so my opinion about modi ji will become very strong positively similarly if you are a person who does not like modi ji and you watch content that criticizes modi ji you will also be segregated by the algorithm as a person who consumes content that is anti modi as a result you will be fed that just like that on twitter on facebook on instagram and on youtube once these echo chambers are made what happens is tension starts building now if you take the same concept and you try to apply it in the 1990s except for small gatherings where our grandparents used to read newspapers or small gatherings where people used to meet during functions apart from that there wasn't a possibility of belonging to an echo chamber but today because of social media you get ready access to that echo chamber you get ready access to that information and because of that even though people are not threatened they feel threatened and when this piles up you get a bipolar society so that is what is happening which is making people feel threatened overall so the reality is far from what we see on social media and because it is so nuanced you can't actually comment on it mm. because when it comes to some villages muslims feel extremely safe over there but we may not see that as data points on social media mm. how many times have you actually seen people say you know dude i am a muslim over here and i feel extremely safe over here and stuff like that versus a person who's being beaten up and that video is being captured and then posted on social media mm. right so if you and i have this conversation we are talking with a very limited data set to actually get closer to the truth we are far away from truth yeah you know i've always feared bringing up these names on the show because honestly i believe in the last few months because of those whole bjp podcast and all uh, at least in the world of journalism i have a right wing image mm. which is not true if anyone sees the show they know what the true thoughts are within this mind mm. so i've always feared bringing up these names but i mm. will bring it up and i'm saying this out of a place of respect mm. as well as it being an open invite to them mm. i want to invite both rana ayub and fade souza on the show at the same time at different times mm. ideally with a journalist who is fully pro modi okay okay uh, and i'll say why i think rana ayub first of all at least for her own audiences she is the face of bravery mm. 
and i'd followed on social media for a very long time to understand exactly what's happening just because her name had come up so much in social situations mm. so i wanted to see what's up mm. it's just a stream of muslims are being persecuted in india content mm. okay now my counter to that narrative that rana you puts forth is exactly what you said mm. which is that hey maybe this is just highlighting the cases where muslims are persecuted and possibly even hindus are persecuted as much in certain parts of india correct which is true correct and there are hindu reporters who also report that in the same way and portray muslims as the villains correct so effectively in rana ayub's narratives the modi government as well as most of the hindus of our country are the villains hmm. or chalo maybe if it's not portraying the hindus of the country as the villains it's definitely portraying the modi government as the villain true uh i wanted to be on the show and break down these thoughts hmm. ideally with someone just like her from hmm. like the other side which is doing the exact extreme opposite yeah i believe fay doesn't do exactly what rana ayub does but she's talking to a very similar audience hmm and again respect for fay for leaving journalism doing a whole independent journalism career uh i've said this repeatedly i think palki sharma uh smita prakash ma'am and fade souza are leading the charge when it comes to new age journalism in our country true uh fay out just like by herself mm. like you know on the show mm. i want to see i want to break down a lot of things about the country with her mm. uh and i want to get to the bottom of this in mm. terms of what are muslims in our country truly truly feeling because these are the influences these are the people that at least urban muslims are turning to and urban christians are turning to hmm. uh, so they have a huge say in society which is why as the white boys or the hindu boys of the country maybe it's again not our complete right to come to conclusions here true but it's important as content creators to get to the truth yeah uh again i'm not accusing either fay or rana ayub of anything but i am inviting them on the show in order to deep dive <laughs> have you followed uh, rana ayub's content of adesu no, no. i don't follow politics as much i study politics which has got more to do with economics okay let's talk about that let's talk about politics to do with economics hmm. um what do you think that the modi government has actually done for the economy of the country because once again i've spoken to economists on the show who have worked hmm. with the modi government hmm. no one's going to project their own work as having been flawed in any manner true which is why i'm actually excited to listen to you you're one of the most centrist uh, opinions i've ever heard on the show hmm let's go so i'll put forth a structure by which anybody who's watching this podcast can actually go on to analyze if a state government or the central government is doing a good job or not because this answer is so nuanced you can't say yes or no to this okay so there are three ways in which i break down the performance of a government economic indicators social indicators and ease of doing business okay let's start with ease of doing business in 1991 when our country got liberalized it was liberalized on paper we received a lot of foreign companies over here who created a lot of jobs and after that the gdp per capita shot up the income of indian middle class it shot up and that's how we saw the it revolution but what most people do not understand is that even today it is very difficult to do business in india for example if i am somebody who wants to set up a factory in india today and i want to invest 100 crores in a state it is very difficult for me to start my business quickly because i have to get a lot of permits from the power department from the water department from the environmental department and so on and so forth 
and because there's a lot of delay in this clearance a lot of foreign businesses they just quit india and they would rather go to vietnam indonesia or bangladesh where things are much easier in certain sectors like textile sector is for bangladesh so the moment this happens employment in india is not created economy of india could have received a lot of positive output but because these companies they quit india and they go somewhere else we lose out on a lot of opportunities so the question that you got to ask yourself is what is your state or your country doing to increase the ease of doing business in india for example when it comes to gujarat they came up with the concept of something called single window clearance system where they have a single portal and by the way the, the government of gujarat was so obsessed with bringing business to to gujarat that they set up a dedicated customer support team who can help out these investors and businesses to get through the government regulations government policies and procedures so that they can set up the factory very quickly there was a major problem of land acquisition for which the gujarat government built something called the land bank and because of that you know when ratan tata wanted to shift his plant from west bengal to another state he got a lot of offers but gujarat was the quickest state to give land to tata as a result within 15 days ratan tata was able to make a decision they shifted to gujarat if i'm not wrong the tatas have invested 6060 crores in gujarat creating a lot of employment so very important indicator of whether the government is doing a good job or a bad job is to check how easy is it to do business in a particular state and now the government is coming out with something called national single window clearance system which is basically the extended version of what they did in gujarat 2 to 3 years down the line if the execution is done well then a lot of fdi will come to india employment will be created and the economy will progress the second indicator of whether a government is doing a good job or a bad job is to look at economic indicators here we have something called debt to gdp ratio as in what is the gdp of the state what is the debt that that particular state has taken up and what is the ratio rbi defines rbi defines certain standards if you have a look at it you will be able to compare as to how well your state is doing so if your state is taking up a lot of debt either it is investing that into infrastructure or it could be giving out freebies so you have to check what exactly is your state spending the money on how do you check you can check it using multiple ways one of the sources which i refer to is the rbi document which constantly points out that certain states are giving out freebies in fact the document that i'm referring to it has a list of all the freebies which the rbi kind of questions along with the amount of money that the government has spent on that freebie for example if the punjab government has spent a lot of money into giving out free electricity which is causing a lot of trouble to the finances of the state rbi will point that out and it will say that the government of punjab has spent xyz 1000 crores into giving out free electricity and maybe that's not a good idea is this hypothetical or is that true like has the punjab government done this they have yes. they have yes and the ab is in power in punjab yes so i had asked atishi this exact question mm. uh about freebie this exact thing that you're saying and i said that how do you run the economy because i believe the inflation rate in delhi which has been the ab stronghold mm. is uh very very low and uh, the uh, it's kind of become a case study world over and mm. all that mm. so she said that the way we are able to actually give what people call freebies is because the ap is made up of politicians who are not corrupt at all okay so that the 
I'm not, this is again, not anti-AAP. Hmm, hmm. Or maybe I'm just trying to explain to you guys how the world of politics also works. Hmm, hmm. Very important conversation is happening right now. I'm sorry I interrupted you, brother. Let's go on. Yeah. So if you have a look at that RBI document, it will help you understand whether those freebies are good or bad. Hmm. And more importantly, it will make you question what your state is doing. Hmm. Then you have something called interest payments to revenue receipts. As in, how much is the state generating out of tax and non-tax revenue and how much of that money is going into interest payments for the debt that that particular state has taken up. For example, if your income is 2 lakh rupees and you spend 1 lakh rupees into just paying the interest for your home loan, mm. is that a good thing or a bad thing? Bad. It's a bad thing. So interest payments to revenue receipts, it actually tells you how much of your state's money is being spent on just interest payments so that you can again keep a check on the state's finances. These are the economic indicators. There are multiple economic indicators, but these two, three economic indicators, they'll give you a fairly good idea. And then you have the social indicators. In social indicators, you have three major pain points of the society that needs to be addressed. Healthcare, education, and worker wages. Are the wages at the bottom of the pyramid increasing? Because they are the first ones to suffer the brunt of inflation. They are the first ones to get affected in case of a natural calamity, in case of a economic disaster for that matter. So if you understand that the worker wages are increasing, the state is doing a good job. If you understand that the number of people graduating in that particular state is increasing, the state is doing a good job. If you understand that the beds per capita in the state is increasing, the state is doing a good job. So this way, using ease of doing business, economic indicators and social indicators, you will be able to gauge whether the government is doing a good job or a bad job. Now, the homework for all the people who are watching this podcast or listening to this podcast is to actually go and seek this data and find out whether your state is doing a good job or a bad job. For reference, there are two videos that we've made. One on Gujarat, which is right before the Gujarat elections. And the other is right before the Karnataka elections. If you watch those videos, you'll be able to understand how we compare the data of that particular state with the RBI standards and with other states to help you understand whether the government is doing a good job or a bad job. You've done this exercise, right? Yes. So you, in at least in your mind, you have a list of the states that are doing a good job versus those that are doing a not so great job. I have done this for a few states, which okay. is Karnataka, Gujarat and Sikkim. Why these? Because uh, Gujarat and Karnataka ka election. Tha, so we had to make a video on it. As a result, we did the analysis. When it comes to Sikkim, Sikkim has done some insane job with organic farming. Okay. And uh, my team brought it up and they said that Sikkim is a case study that's worth addressing. And hence we took that up. Which party is in power in Sikkim? I don't know, bro. That's the beauty of our research. We never look at which party is actually in power in that particular state. We just look at what is the job that the government has done, which has turned that state into a prosperous state. Can we actually look it up? If we're having like this conversation now. While that data is mined <laughs> by my team, Mm. I want to ask you that, say if there is state A and B, mm. where the same political party is ruling, uh, could it be that they have different performances based on the local government structure there? Absolutely. Th that depends totally on the human angles there. Correct. Which there are a lot of are. factors. For example, if Gujarat has the, if Gujarat has the luxury of having Surat, mm. and then you have a landlocked state like 
say uttar pradesh mm. then obviously gujarat is going to have multiple advantages as compared to up right Correct. if one state by default has very high literacy rate and the other state doesn't then by default this state will get advantage over the other state mm. for example when it comes to our northeastern states they don't have great transportation and that's because of two reasons number one we've been ignoring them for a very long time and secondly the terrain is such that it is very difficult to build a highway it is very difficult to build a railway line over there mm. right so again over there if a party is not building railway line or highways it is both because they are ignoring it they are not incentivized for it maybe and thirdly it could be because of the terrain now depending on which state it is we have to make the judgment again this requires a lot of study mm. and a lot of nuances which is why i say when it comes to nuances and data mob will never understand nuance a mob will never care about data all they will care about is what exactly is the party's singular message out to the society if they say that they will secure hindus from certain threats they just believe it and that is more than enough for them hmm. Hmm. if they say that they will give out tvs for free they will give out grinders for free at that point in time for them if tv is important that's it they will draw the conclusion about the party's performance based on how generous the party is during certain time periods that is the reason why this conversation that we are having even if it is put out to the world in different languages it will barely appeal to the <laughs> top 10% of india and not for the rest 90% maybe the only the top 1% maybe the top 1% i'm just being optimistic to say 10% but yeah i again we won't we won't come to a final conclusion about this but if the audiences do enough research they will be able to figure who the actual performers performers are between the aap bjp and congress Correct. or they right? can just subscribe to think school so. <laughs> are you going to go in that territory will you ever go into this whole congress performance breakdown yes you will yeah because it's an important subject for business why for example sikkim has done an incredible job with organic farming bro whereas if you look at sri lanka they failed miserably and organic farming is a very difficult sector to capture do you know Sikkim is I think the first or the second organic state in the world and they've done a phenomenal job. The reason why they're able to do a phenomenal job is because they were able to a understand the economics of organic farming. The government was able to spot the demand for organic products and number 3 they were able to educate people about about the economics of organic farming. They were able to explain the importance of organic farming in the future and they were able to execute it properly. and that is very beautiful so as an entrepreneur if i understand that sikkim is the go to state for organic farming i will go to sikkim and i will see if i could set up a warehouse over there and become a wholesaler mad 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 okay loving this conversation at the same time there are multiple other states which are learning from sikkim and they are also trying to execute the same policies that sikkim executed so that even they can become an organic state why because of pesticides there are a lot of health issues and more importantly the groundwater is being polluted so states by default understand that because of green revolution back then we were forced to use those kind of methods but now we have to get out of it if we don't the nation will be in a disaster mm. and as an entrepreneur if i understand that maharashtra is applying the same policies as sikkim because i know what happened in sikkim i'll be able to invest wisely in maharashtra so that i can capitalize on the organic farming wave in maharashtra that is the reason why like i said government is the godfather of the market 
if you understand what the godfather likes and what he doesn't like you will be able to capitalize on those opportunities which otherwise you will never ever have access to okay do you buy the bjp narrative about acche din aane wale hain from back in 2014 i believe uh and even the acche din aane wale narrative now i don't think they say that anymore mm. but uh both bjp politicians as well as pro modi indians will always say that the next 30 years are india's to be uh one yeah. i'm asking you the exact specific in terms of how acha <laughs> okay i will tell you why this is a beautiful marketing campaign and it's good for india in the long run sure when they say acche din aane wale hain do you realize it is talking to the grassroots of indian society and it is instilling hope hope is very very powerful when the entire nation believes that the next 3 decades are going to be our decades because of that optimism they will work very well and that is what turned japan into what it is today that the entire nation collectively believed that although we've been through a lot in the next 3 decades we have to build a nation that the world aspires to become so acche din aane wale hain regardless of what that has resulted into the one thing that i can say for sure is that it has resulted into a lot of optimism and indians have regained their faith about a better india tomorrow now as far as a marketing campaign is concerned this is a brilliant campaign because it is understood by everybody and kaun acche din laega if bjp is at the center of it i think it's the perfect product placement ever it's like listerine so listerine first marketed the idea of helitosis which is foul breath and presented itself as a solution to foul breath before that listerine was a generic product it could be used for wounds it could be used for ulcer it could be used for a lot of things it could also be used for toilet cleaning by the way would you put toilet cleaner in your mouth no so the messaging was not strong enough but then this marketing agency came up and said you know what let's define the problem first and then tell people that okay this is a problem and here's your solution and that is listerine that's exactly what bjp has done they say that these are the problems in the country that we've been facing and the culprit for that is xyz party and we are here to solve that and we will bring acche din to india which is to me a genius marketing strategy so if you look at it from the nation perspective it's a great thing and every party should do that because it instills hope and hope is very powerful for a developing nation that is perhaps one of the most important forces that will grow our country that will grow our economy from the marketing standpoint it's a genius marketing strategy okay uh do you truly feel that the congress fucked up the country no i will tell you why so before i studied singapore i always thought the same as others i thought congress hasn't done a good job but if you look at what a nation undergoes after it gets independence it's crazy bro we could have had military dictatorship just like pakistan we could have had a very unstable government like pakistan we could have been invaded by other countries for example when singapore got independence when lee kuan yew came to power he was extremely worried because a neighboring country actually saw a military coup and he was extremely scared that because singapore is located at a very strategic location they might invade singapore okay so when a nation as big as india gets independence 
everybody has their eyes on india when portugal became a democratic country it became a breeding ground for drug cartels and that ruined the country for the next two decades 1% of the entire population of portugal was a drug addict so i believe that the success of the congress government lies in keeping the country intact immediately after independence when the country was in a very very sensitive situation i believe their achievement lies in keeping the country drug free during a situation when we could have easily fallen prey to these drug cartels and they were able to maintain a country with less chaos if not no chaos however i also believe that the socialistic principles of congress may not have been the best thing that happened to india because if you look at china they like i said they opened up their economy in 1978 we were 13 years late 1991 before 1991 if you want to open up a watch company in india it was very difficult and there was only one watch company in india which was hindustan machine tools and tatas had to struggle to open up a company in india and that is what led to titan which is why titan is not just tata it is tamil nadu government <laughs> and tata industries t i tata industries t a n tamil nadu government if this was the case do you realize we were stopping ourselves from so many opportunities in fact in the 1970s do you know what happened suddenly the government of india came up and said to coca cola and ibm that listen guys we are going to own a piece of your business in india and you will have to decrease your stake from your own business so what happened coca cola left ibm left they came back after liberalization now when these kind of policies were executed for whatever reasons they were executed for i believe they may not have been the best things to happen to india okay would you like to cover anything else in this geopolitics and politics special today because i think we've kind of focused on india on this one and i'm sure we could do america the same way in a future episode yes i guess we have an all star ladies and gentlemen <laughs> i don't know if i'll be able to give you guys enough information as much as abhi chawda sir but yeah i'll try my best dude you are also built for the world of podcasting had a lot of respect for you just on the basis of the content i saw mm. it's increased even more getting to know the podcasting side of you mm. which is a much closer representation of the real person according to me mm. like it's great and and there's a need for both informational content and this kind of content i believe a combination of these two things actually builds mindsets and that's one thing that young content creators can do for the country yeah this is what a lot of my mentors have told me that your job is to help build mindsets mm. and honestly that's kind of what all the politicians from all the parties I'm also echoed. Uh are you hopeful about where we're going in the 20s yes. and 30s? I'm very hopeful bro because we are following the trajectory of China. We've opened up our economy, we've built, we've laid very solid foundations to invite many more businesses. We are already the most populous country in the world. The world is moving out of China because China wants them to move out and also because the world wants to move out of China. and that means a lot of opportunities for not just india but also indonesia vietnam and bangladesh so asia as a whole they will see some beautiful years in the next 3 decades and india being at the center of it i think we are about to see an economic revolution in the next 2 decades what do you think can possibly go wrong in this india story going forward inconsistent government policies inconsistent government policies correct or an inconsistent government 
No, inconsistent government policies because governments might come and go as in parties may come and go but they have two options. One is to build upon what the previous party built or to destroy what the previous party built and then start something new again. With China, that wasn't the case because they're not like us. So the government for three decades was focused in a single direction because of which they were able to build what they've built. Whereas with us, we have the risk of changing parties which may, which may destroy the foundations that have been laid by this party and they may do things in their own way which may be disastrous for the nation. For example, let's take the case of Digital India. Do you know about the India stack? Um, it's something being adopted by other countries, this whole digital infrastructure, UPI. Yes, not by other countries, but what we've built in India over here. It is such a beautiful concept. So we had Aadhaar. Then we saw Jandan Yojana in 2014 when Modiji said everybody is supposed to open up bank accounts. We opened up 500 million bank accounts. And then we saw GST. In between, we saw Aadhaar linking with PAN. So identity was established. Bank accounts were given. Then Aadhaar and PAN got linked or at least the process started back then. In between, we saw the rise of Rupee and today Rupee is one of the strongest players in the debit card market. Then we saw GST, then we saw UPI, and now we are seeing OCEN, O-C-E-N, Open Credit Enablement Network. Which means today, if you are an MSME, a micro, small or medium enterprise, last year, had you gone to the banks and taken up a loan, the loans would come at a cost of 30%, 40% interest, even if that was a small amount like 50,000 rupees. But now the government has laid the foundation with something called Open Credit Enablement Network. So because the MSMEs have a GST certificate, because they have Aadhaar, because their PAN is linked and everything is connected together, now Okin is built on that fundamental infrastructure by which because you're using UPI to make transactions, the government will be able to check how much money you're receiving and how much money you're giving out. So even for a small Kirana store, this is what Paytm has done with Paytm Sandbox that if you have a cash flow of 3 lakh rupees and let's say you're operating in an industry which has a 15-20% margin, so Paytm understands that you might be making somewhere around 60,000 rupees per month. So if you apply for a loan of 10,000 rupees, Paytm will process it without any procedures. Similarly with OKEN, if you're an MSME and you apply for loan one year later from today, after this foundation is built, you will be able to get loans very easily. And MSME sector contributes 33% to our GDP employs over 110 million people. So do you see Aadhaar led to Jandan Yojana, led to Rupee, led to GST, led to UPI, and now we are looking at Oken. And on the same foundation, we are also building unified health interface. So if we keep on building over the foundations that we've already built, we will end up doing something absolutely extraordinary, which is what we've seen in the past nine years with Digital India. So if we continue to do so over the next three decades, you can imagine all of this has happened in just one decade. So for the next three years, if we keep building on that, things will be good. If we don't build upon that, things will be disastrous because we've already spent a lot into building this infrastructure. And if you don't build upon that, this will go to waste. Plus we'll spend more to build more foundations. Okay. Um, what I'm going to say now might seem like some sort of accusation upon you or an attack upon you, but it's not. I'm just saying this so that the audience works on its own thinking process. Mm. 
my angle here is what if even you're in an echo chamber which mm. is built up of capitalists like yourself true that is quite possible and i say this to my audience also which is why i never give out my opinions in my videos mm like when you ask me whether this government is doing a good job or not i did not give you a yes or no answer i told you that these are the parameters go and check for yourself because it's a very nuanced answer and same is the case with me also because i am in this eco chamber with or without my choice i am bound to be biased i will try my level best not to be but even then there is a very high possibility that i might be slightly biased which is why we speak only data we give out the study materials so that people can cut through our bias and study data by themselves and draw their own conclusions bro you please go hang with some communists no no i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> uh my point is maybe the things that you count as success are mm. often money and finances based mm. now let's take that to success of a nation or a government mm. again it's money and finances based because mm. you're capitalist in your heart no when it comes to assessing the government like i said there are also social indicators and economic indicators are just one part of the three part judgment so if you dwell deep into social indicators then we are not looking at it from the capitalistic standpoint we are looking at it from a socialistic standpoint i'm as capitalist as you are hmm. like i'm on the same page hmm. but i've just learned to constantly disagree with guests hmm. who are allowing me to disagree with them because hmm. it hmm. just leads to more nuanced conversation true true uh i would love to have a conversation with you and a, an extremely anti modi journalist <laughs> just to okay. see what what they say i might agree with a lot of things that they say by the way yeah yeah, yeah. no for sure you're doing great uh it's not easy to do what you're doing for sure both from mm. a back end perspective and to kind of create the content with the look the research and all that you are creating mm. so just i'm really looking forward to see what the next 10 20 30 years create for you mm. it'll be very very interesting because as a footballer you know another footballer's game mm. um it's just you and dhruvrathi who i put in that category of pure love for content mm. so uh, thank you i appreciate your time my man thank you so much and man i i hope to have you on the show very soon i'm hoping so too awesome see you soon thank you so much that was the episode for today right after we shot this one i had a conversation with ganesh where we figured that we should do these geopolitical conversations regularly because the kind of flavor that was extracted in this particular podcast was something i had not seen before in geopolitical conversations and something that ganesh had not seen before from a content perspective so in the same way that abhijit chavda and ranveer are a dream combo i feel like i have another dream combo in my hands here with ganesh we're going to be doing a lot more geopolitics centric episodes perhaps the next time we'll speak only about china maybe we'll speak only about the gulf there's some very interesting things happening in the world of geopolitics but you need minds like ganesh prasad to actually help extract the most raw form of that knowledge keep listening to trs we're going to be back soon with lots of epic episodes with this new found trs all star in the form of think school aka ganesh prasad